Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, well, uh, so, so we got Christine today, and don't worry, but those of you who get nervous about women preaching in churches, her husband will preach next week and clean up whatever mess happens today. That's awful to say. I know, but you know I'm just teasing because you are awesome. All right, well, Christine, I think, you guys, it's appropriate to give her an encouraging round of applause as she's coming this morning. Christine, preach your heart out. Let's go. In fairness, I think of the Sutherlands, I'm probably here to set the tone so you guys don't think we're entirely irreverent before Tyler speaks. Um, (laughs) All right, guys, I am excited to be here. I, I actually love to do this. I... Maybe not always on this scale that I get to do this, but I love to get to talk to people about Jesus, and I love to talk about what he's teaching me and doing in me, and so let's, let's get to it, because I'm excited to share. So for some time now, um, God has been getting my attention and pointing out this area in my life that I don't always operate um, how he would like me to, and that's that I treat his presence with this sort of ebb and flow, coming and going, feeling like it or not sort of mentality. And a while ago, he sort of pointed out to me that I will treat his presence like a gas station and that I will kind of come in and fuel up and get all excited and passionate and ready to go. And then I will step away and, and try to operate on this tank until I'm running on fumes, and then I will head back in to the gas station to fill back up. And, uh, and God is just too relational for that. He does not at all want me to operate like that because he wants me in relationship with him, and he wants me to set up camp in his presence always. So um, I want to read uh, in John chapter 1, verse 35, 39. So it says, again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. So we have set this scene. We've got John and his two disciples, and John has already established earlier in this chapter, in this book, that he is not the Messiah. He is not the one that they're looking for. He's not the one they've been waiting for. His job is to prepare the way. And so I just love this scene. I love that John sees Jesus. And he knows what his disciples need. And he says, there he is, guys. He's the one to follow. And I just hope, like as I read that and I look at that, I hope that each day I'm becoming more like that. That I will see another person's need and I will say, there he is. Follow him. I have a friend, many of you will know her. Her name is Jody. And I love to hang out with her. We'll talk home decor. We'll talk plants. We'll talk parenting and our old memories and stuff, but I know 
when I need it, I know in their conversation, Jesus is going to come up. And she has this sentence she often says, have you invited Jesus into that? And so I just love spending time with her. She is a John in my life. We need friends like that, and we need to be friends like that. So after John tells these disciples, this is your guy, they hear him, and they get up and follow. And just as a side note, that is the dream, right? As a parent, like that you would say something, and immediately they just went and did it. We're working towards that. It is so important to respond, to get up right away, to not talk yourself out of it, to not give yourself time to make excuses, to hear what your friend is saying, to hear the word, and to follow him. I think maybe our hesitation comes when we read that next sentence. They were following Jesus, and he noticed them and turns and says, what do you seek? Another translation writes it, what do you want? And I'll be honest, when I first read that, I kind of flinched a little. Because when I read the Bible, I come at it with my, my past, my history, my presuppositions. And when I heard, what do you want? I heard it like he was annoyed that he was being followed. I, like my presence in, in there was, was irritating. Like he's just out for a walk, for goodness sakes. What do you want? Let me be clear. I do not think that that is what Jesus is saying. He wants to know. He's giving them an opportunity to ask and to let him know what he wants. When we read with an inflection, that is an indication of our hearts, of our position. And it is an indicator that maybe there's some healing we need to do. Because Jesus doesn't come at us like that. He's not irritated when you follow him, when you're in his presence. So he has invited them to ask. He's given them an open door, and he's curious about their why, what motivates them. Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? Or in the NIV translation, it says, where do you live? In other words, what is your home like? What's it like to spend time with you? What is it like to be in your presence? Tell us about it. About it. For you, for me, maybe it's, tell me what it's like to follow you. Tell me you're safe, you're trustworthy, you're good. I've heard others talk about you. I want to know for myself. What are you like? What is life like with you? And we need to be willing to ask this question. Or we'll always have a shallow view of him that's entirely formed by our presuppositions, our opinions, and our incorrect translations our relationships with others. We'll never know that he's different if we don't let him tell us what life would like be like with him. And I'm talking beyond that initial faith too. Of course, when we first hear the gospel, we're curious. We want to know. We investigate. We are bending our will and we're asking him. But we need to continue to do that. Lord, what is this season like? How do I follow you in this struggle? Tell me you're still good, you're still sovereign, you're still trustworthy. One of the saddest things we can do is to become disinterested, complacent, for the things of God to become ordinary or lackluster. 
We need to ask him this question frequently. Lord, what is it like to follow you in my 20s, in my 40s, in my 60s? What is it like to follow you as I parent? What is it like to follow you when I'm depressed? What is it like to follow you when I struggle? What is it like to follow you in 2020? And he says, come see. I love this response. It's not a list. It's not a lecture. It's an invitation to come see. Come to my place. Hang out. Stay a while. See me and how I operate with those around me. Learn what it means to be with me, to be in my presence. Some people are great at reading a thing or hearing a lecture and they've got it. They'll retain it. I need to experience it. And that's the invitation. Come and experience it and it will impact you for your life. I love that Jesus is open. Come along, guys. Come and see. There's no better way for you to know what life is like with me than to come and experience it for yourself. It's such a gentle way, too. There's no commitment. There's no need to sign here. There's no repeat after me. It's an invitation to come and see. So the disciples, they come and they see. They spend the day. It gets late and they stay. Have you ever done that? It's happened to us a few times where we've gone out for lunch with somebody or to their house after church or something, and next thing you know, it's 7 p.m., and you're like, uh, I guess we pull up the leftovers, I order a pizza. We don't want to leave. This is good. And this is what these disciples experience. The next chapters go on to describe how these two men become disciples of Jesus. They stay. They've seen what it's like, and it's so good they stay. They make their dwelling in the presence of Jesus. The word stay here translates remain, abide, or dwell. Jesus' intention is that we would come and see and that we will decide to abide in him. We'll dwell in him. We'll make our home in his presence. There will be no ebb and flow, coming and going, feeling like it or not. There will be a, a, a resting and an abiding in his place, which means we don't come and go from it. Once you've seen and experienced what it's like to be in his presence, you begin to trust him. You have a frame of reference, and there's a sweetness that lingers, and you want more. So God had been walking me through this idea that his presence wasn't just a place that I visited. And uh, it wasn't only a place that I came to on Sundays or played my worship music and felt it or read my Bible, and there he was. He was preparing me. Many of you will know that we went through a really difficult time this year um, with Graham, and he had some health struggles. And so the beginning of the year, Graham was in significant pain. He'd spent a few days in the hospital, um, a lot of time going to and from doctor's offices, tests of blood work to determine the cause. It was a difficult time with no answers. It's difficult to watch your kids struggle in pain. It was so bad, you could see it in his eyes. It was really difficult as a mom to watch him suffer, 
to help him in and out of bed, up and down the stairs, sitting and standing. But on more than one occasion, we would be headed to the doctor's office or headed home from blood work or something, and Graham would begin to preach the goodness of God in the van. Mom, you know we just don't thank God enough. He's done so much for us. Mom, God is so good. He had me in tears in the van numerous times. We would pray for him and lay our hands on him and declare the healing and the miracle we knew was coming. And he would have this sweet look. I'm sure if you have, if you've complimented him, you have seen this because he's a words of affirmation guy. And it's adorable. But we'd pray for him in confidence and he, his cheeks would raise and he'd get this sweet smile and he would say, I know he had full confidence in God's presence in his life, in his abilities, in his goodness. During this season, I felt so incredibly drawn into the presence of God. And when I would falter, Graham was there to point me back. He was a John in my life. It was during these moments that I really experienced the presence of the Lord as my home. There was no coming and going from it. There was conversations with God and a lingering. There was a knowing that he was enjoying or frustrated or sad in the moments with me. I felt that I'd moved in and set up camp and there was no getting rid of me now. In early March, Graham had an MRI. Right after that, we got the results. We had a phone call from the pediatrician that, in Edmonton that we needed to be right there right away, that Graham had an infection known as osteomyelitis in his spine. And I need to take a moment to testify of God's goodness because that same day that we got the phone call, Graham woke up pain-free. The pain had driven us into God's presence. The pain had driven us to seek answers. The pain had driven us, and we had the answer, and the pain was gone. And we rejoiced. We celebrated. We were a little bit dumbstruck, honestly. We went to the hospital, and they were expecting that Graham might have trouble walking, might have trouble using his hands, all of it. And their shock and surprise confirmed for us that God had done something. And then later on, when we have the MRI to follow up after the weeks and weeks of antibiotics and stuff, we have an MRI, and the doctor tells us that they're shocked. They had been hoping that the MRI would show that, that it had stayed the same size, that that would be the good news, that it hadn't grown, that it had stayed the same size. And they were shocked because it hadn't stayed the same size. It had shrunk. And they were very much not expecting that. And then later on, a month and a half later, we had another MRI, and the doctor says his results are significant. The improvement is significant. He can return to normal activities. He can do biking and all the things that he'd been missing out on. Results that we hadn't been expecting to get for another month or two yet even. That's what they had prepared us for. During this season, these months, we kept getting the encouragements and the prayers and people reminding us that God is still good through it all. And there's 
it was funny because not for a minute had we doubted it. We were so in his presence. There's a funny thing that happens when you are saturated by the presence of God, when you live in it, you don't doubt his character. You have confidence and reassurance in his goodness and faithfulness that only comes from spending time with him. Have you ever convinced yourself that a friend is mad at you or something's wrong or you must have done something because something feels wrong and then you spend time with them just to realize, I think it was all in my head. I think we're fine. I don't think this was a thing. This is what happens when, when we're in relationship with people but we don't get to spend time with them. Our brains can start to trick us and tell us that something's wrong. We need to give space or we need to avoid or this must be done. We need to fix ourselves, something's wrong. And what we really need is time together. The more time I spend in the presence of God, the more I am convinced of his goodness, his faithfulness, that he is just and merciful, that he is grace-filled. And the more I operate out of this position as his child, a joint heir with Christ, a citizen of heaven, called and equipped for his good works, which he prepared for me, the more I know what it's like to be in his presence, the more I am secure in who I am. God wants us to make his presence our home. There's a difference. Many of you have been on vacation. We were on vacation. We went to Fairmont. And there is a difference when you're on vacation or when you're a guest versus how you operate when you're at home. Whether you're the type of person who lives out of the suitcase on vacation or you'll actually pack into the, the dresser in the hotel, it still doesn't feel like home. It's still different. At home, we'll put on our slippers, we'll put on our sweatpants, we'll get cozy, we'll help ourselves to the refrigerator, to the snacks, to whatever's available. We help ourselves. When we are at home with Jesus, we'll get comfortable and we will help ourselves to his attributes, to the gifts of the Spirit. We'll know they're always at our fingertips. I remember a friend telling me a story. She was spending time with like a mentor who had kind of finished her parenting or had changed into more of a support role. Her kids were all adults. And she had said, I didn't pray for patience. I knew I had it because I had Holy Spirit. So I would access it. And that's what happens when we spend time in the presence of God. We know, we know what drawer it's in. We know where he keeps it. We know how to access it. I'm reading this book by Henry Nowen, and he talks briefly about when we pray and we say, in the name of Jesus, we will often th say it thinking, as a representative of Jesus, I say this, or like a king who sends his emissaries or the president who sends the ambassadors on behalf of, I say this. But he poses a question, what if we say it as though we are inside of the presence of Jesus, from inside of the name of Jesus, inside of his attributes, inside of who, his character, inside of who I know him to be, I declare this, I pray these things with confidence. So I still have moments of forgetfulness. I have not 
tied this into a nice neat bow and can say, okay, I do this and it's on my shelf. I'm still practicing. I'm still incredibly human as he transforms me. And I know the sweetness of abiding with him. The taste is enough to draw me back in. And when it's not, I need the Johns in my life that point him out to me and show me where he is. I need to be reminded to ask him what it's like to follow him, to be with him when I forget, to listen to the invitation to ask and respond to the call to come see. So uh, our, our summer series right now is called Summer Mixtape. And so my title is Feels Like Home, which the end is a great time to tell you my title of uh, the message, but you'll bear with me. Um, and I, in true Christine uh, fashion, stressed a bit about deciding what song title I wanted it to be because I want to be cool or relevant or or whatever. I want it to be a song that people are going to be like, yeah, that's an awesome song. But, but also in true Christine style, I went sentimental. So the message was titled Feels Like Home, and Brittany maybe had flashed that at some point on my behalf because I forgot to, but Feels Like Home was our wedding song. And as a young bride, I think I was really a frustrating bride for those that were organizing because I didn't care about a whole lot. I didn't care about the colors or the centerpiece or the decor. I was probably not your average bride. I kept saying, I don't care because at the end of the day, I just want to be married to Tyler. I don't care what it looked like. And now as I've matured in my faith and I'm starting to care less about some of the details, stress a little less, I'm trying to care more about following Jesus. And I hope that at the end of the day, it can be said about me that I made the presence of God my dwelling place. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say about the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God, we pray this, this morning that you would fill us with your presence, that you would give us that taste of what, it, what, it, what it's like to live inside of your presence, God. That you would be gentle with your reminders, your invitation to come and see that you would be drawing us back in. We pray, God, that you would fill our lives with Johns that are pointing us back to you. That you would remind us to be like John and to invite people into his presence. And we pray, God, that as we're practicing this, as we're learning to abide in your presence, that you would continue to woo us in there. You would continue to show us how you are different, how life is different when we rest in you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Oh, you did good. You did good. Tyler, you better fast and pray this week. Otherwise, otherwise we'll bring a Christine up to close your message off next week. Man. Oh. Did you, did you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying this morning? 
Anybody hear it? Put up your hand. Do you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? You know, God wants to build his home in us. He has always preferred tents to temples. You look through the Old Testament, they would set up that tabernacle, that tent. You can imagine how ragged it got, even though it was built with finery and, and special linen and it was ordained and set aside, set apart. But, but God, in a, in a wonderful foreshadow, all through the Old Testament, speaks to what Christine brought from the Word of God this morning. That God has always desired tents. He desires, he desires flesh and blood. He desires his creation to be the recipient of his presence. And what a powerful and amazing truth that is for every situation, for every part of life that we might walk through, where we wonder if the presence of God is, we simply can realize by what he's promised in his word that he is. He's right there. He's right there in the middle of your situation right now. And there are dozens of people in this room this morning who could stand and testify to the reality of God's presence in every kind of situation in their life. This morning, we want to invite you to receive ministry if you need it. We don't want anyone to ever come to Generations Church and have to leave the same way that you came. It has been pinned on my heart over the last number of months that we always make a gospel presentation here at this church. We always, we always remind you that you need Jesus. You got to bend your will to him. But I just want to take it one step further today. You know, the grace of God is amazing to us, whether we're believers or not, in that his grace enables us to come to him whenever we need to. But there's a truth that we often don't talk about in the right way, maybe. And that is, is in the bending of our will, but also in the confessing of sin. When we come and we say, God, I've got it wrong. I need you to wash me. I need you to cleanse me. This amazing, miraculous thing happens. Because the Bible promises this, wherever sin abounds, grace will abound even more. And that doesn't make it permissive for us to become more sinful, but rather it's a promise that when we actually confess our sin to God, that he'll keep his promise, he'll do what is right, he'll heal us, he'll cleanse us, he'll wash us, he'll make us new. And that is the gospel. That is the key to living and walking in the presence of God that Christine so, so finely shared with us this morning. It's not just that we bend our will, it's that we change our way. It's not just that we, we show up at church, it's that we become changed and made more like Jesus when we spend that time in his presence. Christine, you did a great job. And this morning, if you feel like you would like prayer, we want to be able to invite you to come forward and receive prayer. If you're at home watching in this morning, we're so glad that you joined us online. And we want to remind you that you can go to the website, genchurch.ca, and you can put prayer requests in there and you can reach out. And we would love to have a real live person connect with you. We're going to close the service in prayer this morning. We're going to spin a CD. And if you would like to just remain in the presence of God a little longer, you're welcome to do so. But come, receive ministry. Don't leave the same way you came. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning. You can bend your will to him. You can confess him as your Lord. And that can be the beginning of a change and a new way in your life. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, that it comes and it is available to us in our times of need, in our times of mourning and sorrow, in our times of joy and excitement. Lord, you truly are everywhere that we can go. 
And God, today I pray that as Christine has shared this truth with us, Holy Spirit, that you would let this word go deep into our hearts. God, let what you intended this morning for each one of us take root in the deep places of our lives and begin to produce fruit. We ask you for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.